Hey, it's Kyle Meredith, host of the Kyle Meredith with podcast, presented by WFPK at WFPK.org and the Consequence Podcast Network. It's a series that puts the spotlight on iconic musicians and actors, inviting them to drop by and talk about their latest projects, whether it's albums, TV shows, films, or beyond. I'm going to say something I don't want to say. Here it goes. Without Spinal Tap, there is no Tenacious D. Whoa. <laughs> Man. We get great stories and the biggest scoops from people like Garbage's Shirley Manson, the 1975's Maddie Healy, Jack Black and Kyle Gass of Tenacious D, Maya Hawk, Kiefer Sutherland, and everyone in between. New episodes arrive every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones. You can find Kyle Meredith with on the Consequence Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey pod people, Engineer Adam here, jumping in for a quick second to let you know about the brand new all-in-one platform for all of you creative podcasters out there. Anchor makes it easier than ever to make a podcast. It's free to use and has all the creation tools you need to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Plus, Anchor will get your podcast set up on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found. Even better, Anchor helps you connect with sponsors, even if you're just starting out. It's the perfect choice for podcasters, so make sure to check it out. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Back to the show. Consequence Podcast Network. people leo phillips here with another edition of this must be the gig your little backstage pass to the world of live music every single week we bring you a fascinating conversation from the beating heart of the performance scene with some of the most exciting names on this gigantic big smudgy globe we talk passion we talk first concerts we talk last concerts and everything in the juicy center this week, we are delighted to share a conversation with Jana Hunter of Lower Dens. I'm just not capable of being here in a kind of like resume building right. capacity. Based in Baltimore, Hunter's complex take on indie pop has been adored since 2010's debut, Twin Hand Movement, one of my favorite albums of all time. And on last year's incredible The Competition, Hunter found a way to build an escape to a space powered by love and acceptance. But at the same time, he refuses to forgive or forget the prejudices and outright hatred toward the outcast and the vulnerable. Recorded backstage at Aragon Ballroom in a green room next to Chicago's very loud old train tracks, in this chat, Jenna and I discuss queer and trans representation on stage, the first concert he ever saw, touring with the mighty of Monsters and Men, and navigating the industry while staying true to intensely personal social and political messages. Be sure to stick around for the live show of the week too, brought to you by StubHub. But in the meantime, let us not be delayed. This is me and Jana Hunter. Enjoy! We'll probably get the train on the Yeah. Good. It's fine. I don't mind. It's like we're in, we're in it. We're on the ground. Um, yeah. I think that the first concert that I ever went to was Clint Black. Oh, wow. And uh, my mom took me and my younger sister and uh, 
and I think it was at SeaWorld in San Antonio. Yeah. But I also feel like I could be getting all of that wrong. Like, I could be getting the artist wrong, and I could be getting the venue wrong, but that's my memory of it. Yeah. Do you have a good memory? No. <laughs> but has that, like, always been like that, or is it just something that is part of who you are? My memory? Yeah. Uh, I've just always had a bad memory, and it gets it's gotten worse as I've gotten older. Yeah. Because sometimes I find that link between memory and creativity so fascinating, because sometimes people can't work on the road but if you can't work on the road sometimes you don't remember that amazing idea about a song or you know if you're a, if you're a writer or whatever creative path you choose sometimes yeah. you can't remember it so quickly so do you are you very particular with like if you, if an idea pops in your head it's just down on paper or into your phone straight away uh, well, most of the work that I do on tour is about live performance, like how to make the show better. A lot of technical work, but then also a lot of kind of internal work of how do I, how do I perform better, and what what is it that I'm trying to do when I'm on stage. So, um, and and when I write, I usually am kind of sitting down for a writing session, and it's in between album cycles. Right. Yeah. Have you always been like that? Uh, no, it's kind of gotten more regimented, like, when I started the band, and then as the band has has gone along, it's more and more regimented like that. Who was the person that you saw on stage that you felt like, that's exactly the type of performer that I want to be? Was it was there an artist or, or just something that really made you, made a click for you? Well, hmm... That's a good question. It's also a bit of an open ended, I suppose, because at different phases and points in your life you could be inspired. I've seen a lot of different really inspiring performances that that have st- stuck with me despite having a terrible memory. Yeah. <laughs> and they're kind of all over the map, you know, like, you know, uh, thinking about Daniel Johnston the past few days and yeah. he used to play a lot in yeah. Houston and I got to see him quite a few times and feel really lucky for that and those shows were um those shows were really special because he was a very honest performer and also because he was you know battling his demons uh, as they say publicly and uh I didn't you know uh I didn't know how much that would stick with me but it really did um and but then also like when I was 14 I saw I got to see George Clinton play at Lollapalooza and I remember like the kind of like ecstatic joy of that <laughs> of that performance but I don't know if there was ever a point at which I was like watching these shows and thinking I wish I want to be able to do that I just th- I always just thought of that as something really special about those performers yeah especially with Daniel in the news it's really I just, I just, it's so hard. You see all these obituaries like straight away, and how do people even process something like that? It just things are so quick. I don't know. I just, it's still kind of. I can't even really talk about it. It's just so. It's just so sad. It's so heartbreaking. It is really sad. It is really heartbreaking. Yeah. It. Uh, I feel really cynical about. Yeah. About the way that we, yeah, the way that we process uh things in 
in general in our society now, but... Um, in terms of, like, how instantly we do it, or just how fast... Yeah, and how instantly we yeah. do it, and how canned our responses are, and how, you know, and how political our responses mm. can be. And I don't even mean, like, uh, in the political climate of the day, I just mean, right. like, kind of, like, the po politics of the industry. Yeah. How does anybody supposed to know what they think just yet? Would, you know, this is you devastating, know you know? Absolutely. Why can't we just say this is devastating and talk about why it's devastating and exactly. I don't, you know, and have a conversation. But even that feels like I, I feel like I'm exploiting right. someone's entire life when I'm like, even, you know, even in tweeting something little like that, like, am yeah. I doing that because of my reverence for Daniel Johnson or am I doing that because I need to maintain social media presence? Right. Oh God. I don't know. I just, <laughs> no, but I know what you mean. Yeah. But I know what you mean because yeah. I, I can't, like, you seem, I don't know you, but you seem as an artist and as a person incredibly genuine. So I can't imagine you being like, this is going to hashtag, you know, it's just not who you are. But I can imagine you, if you kept quiet, then people might be like, well, why are you keeping quiet? You know, that's such yeah. a straight, like, the. Um, not saying anything is also saying something, which is so strange. Yeah. Really win. Yeah, I, I I did think about the other day when when I heard the news about Daniel Johnson. I did think about also David Bowie passing and yeah, how me too. It's not strange. We also thought about that. Uh, there are for whatever reason, you know, two really different artists, but mm. two 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 artists really gifted at communicating something really really important and that that reaches a lot of people in um in a way that's like maybe you know necessary like essential mm. and uh but david bowie was important enough to me that i didn't want to talk about it i didn't want to talk about it at all <laughs> to anybody you know and I, I, I couldn't, and I felt weird about that too. Like maybe it's weird that I'm not saying anything, but you know, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just not going to. Yeah. Cause then you also do then join the masses and then whatever you're saying is kind of. Commodified. Same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what, how do you manage your, I mean, this is totally off topic, but how do you manage that social presence when you are very fully aware that this and, and connection in real life is obviously much kinder and easier as opposed to social media or do you feel very confident online no i feel completely conflicted yeah. having any kind of media presence social media presence especially the one the kind that is required today mm. uh i feel like it's absolutely necessary if we are going to have any sort of success that pays our bills mm -hmm. um but it feels completely disingenuous i feel like a fraud yeah yeah so how do you make sure that it's not like every time you log on what it what goes like what goes through your mind i'm also asking because i'm projecting for me because i'm terrible with it and i don't do half as much of the shit that i probably should should do yeah i mean i don't know i try to make sure that it's and you know we're getting out the basic information and not mm. lying you know and then sometimes i feel 
like a brief respite from how awful and degrading it all is mm-hmm. and, and enough to be like to crack a joke yeah <laughs> that's yeah, throwing scraps yeah Take it? <laughs> or, yeah, just like, maybe this will have a connection to someone out there. Absolutely. But I don't know, ultimately, at the, you know, at the end of every day, you feel that it is still some something of a fraud and mm. not the kind of connection that I'm looking for with people. And obviously you're going to sound check soon. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the show tonight with uh, our monsters and men. Mm-hmm. So where is the time that you feel like you can have the comfiest moment where you kind of grounded and can like, connect to yourself? Um, well, I'm trying to remember what my practices for that are because it's been a while since we toured. Yeah. Um, for me, it's important to read and to have like a connection with my body in some way, not get lost in um, kind of the sedentary nature of a lot of touring, and then um, and then trying to trying to like I like putting it on myself every time I go out on stage to to uh, reach people and to offer them if they mm. are inclined some sort of like transformative experience you know right. which feels very ambitious every time and is super emotionally exhausting but also the only thing that <laughs> seems <laughs> worthwhile you know i, I mean i I can imagine because you're touring now. You've already played a few shows, and mm-hmm. now it's going to be for a little while. Mm-hmm. But without that connection, I can imagine then it feels not only empty, but it's doing a disservice to your whole back catalog and the new album and everything. I just can't. Yeah, and the people who came to see the right. show, and the, you know, right. and, the, and the band who's brought us on tour. Like, if we don't do that, then why are we here? Mm. You know, because we're not. I'm not. I'm. I, I'm just not capable of being here in a kind of like resume building right. <laughs> capacity. Yes. Pause the podcast. It is time to step away just momentarily from the conversation with Lower Dens to share a little something Engineer Adam and I like to call the, the live, live show, show of, of the, the week. week. <laughs> what do we do each week? Every single episode, we highlight one of the most exciting events out there that we could find and share it with you, our pod people, so you can all head to these amazing shows. Right. So this week on The Bull, we are highlighting a trio of incredible performances at the Musical Instrument Museum in Phoenix, Arizona, between Friday, February 7, and Sunday, February 9. On Friday and Saturday, the museum will play host to the unparalleled South African vocal group, Give Me a Vuvuzela Sound. <laughs> there you go, <laughs> Ladysmith, Black Mombazo. Then on Sunday, the 9th, the finger-picking guitar legend Leo Kotke will follow Ooh. with one of his own incredible performances, complete with some great storytelling. And if you want to get in on the excitement of those shows or any other event out there, Always remember to head to StubHub via cosradio.lv slash StubHub and find the best selection of tickets to all of the hottest shows. One more time, that's cosradio.lv slash StubHub. And while we're on 
the topic of important things you yes. can do while you're on the internet. Mention, mention it. Go for it. I know exactly what you're going to do. Well, then let's say it at the same time. Follow me Follow on Twitter. Richard. Oh, no, wait. Oh, no, no, another thing. Make sure you head to Apple Podcasts, to Stitcher, wherever uh, you're listening Google to this. Google Play. Google Play. Wherever Spotify. you're listening. Spotify. Wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, go to that app. Click on our show. Follow review subscribe five stars it's all important to make sure that we get in front of more eyes to get Mm -hmm. more ears on the show so we can get more incredible episodes to you so let us return to this week's interview back to me and Jana hunter enjoy So when this band asked to tour, what did you were you a fan before, or how, how was your connection to? Because I know you've toured with so many different people in the past. No, I'm so out of the loop. I had I had not heard of <laughs> this band, and then people, you know, and I would say to people, "We're on tour with this band." I said yeah. to my therapist, "We're going on tour with this band," and she was like, "Oh, I know them." Um, and, but I, you were like me too, obviously. No, no, I just, I know I'm pretty honest about that. Yeah. But I really, I've enjoyed, um, listening to their music and watching them since, uh, getting to know them and their fans. And I think that we, um, uh, have enough, have enough in common that, um, that we're both getting something out of being paired together. And, now I'm self-conscious about how what? that sounds. Why? But no, why? I don't know because I feel like there's like um, you know th- there is a lot of like a certain level of uh, generosity involved mm. in being a support band on this tour, mm. and I feel like if I was really grateful as I need to be, I would have like listened to their whole catalog and been watching these shows, you know, from from beginning to end mm. every night and not like I'm not doing some of that but I could certainly be doing more but isn't the best discovery like in your own time is that because I mean that's how you consume music I can imagine you don't just shove it down and just take it all in straight away if somebody tells you about something you take you take it in your own pace so I think yeah any fan would love the opportunity to figure out a band whilst supporting them live yeah you know yeah. i don't know i feel like it's such a cool it's so different to what we sometimes you don't even have control over what you listen to if you're walking into a store and there's just something playing yeah it's quite cool that you got to discover them in this way i think yeah that is true i'm being optimism optimism girl but i think it's no, I think that, I think that you're right, and I mean, no, you're right because definitely, the, I don't think there is a better way to like to um, to learn mm. about someone's music or become acquainted with their music than in their live performance, and and they put on a really good show, and mm. their fans are really excited to be here, like every night. They're, yeah, it's it really is something else to hear. We haven't. We've we've only played venues, like done tours of mm. of this size a couple of times, and it's really something to hear that number of people screaming, screaming. at the top of their lungs for a band. It's really cool. 
Do you feel like you connect to that when you were just a fan, like before you started touring as a as a professional musician? Do you feel like you had that level of fandom, or were you yeah, much- I think so. Yeah, especially as a teenager, I think all the time about this concert that I went to mm-hmm. um, when I was eighteen. They did the first Tibetan Freedom Festival. Oh wow! Okay, and that the lineup for that was you know. Like now, looking back on it, I can't believe I got to be there. It was an absolutely incredible, uh, you know, like they had these two stages back to back. And I remember I remember watching Bjork and then like watching uh, Beck and oh watching um, the Beastie Boys, you know, like the oh, whole, it was yeah. so incredible. And I, and I can, yeah, all I can remember is like looking up in like ap- absolute ecstasy mm. the mm. entire time. Um where was that? Where whereabouts was that? It was at uh, it was at a big park in San Francisco that I should remember the name of, but oh, it was a big park your like maybe it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> you're forgiven. It's a famous park in <laughs> San Francisco. Fine. Yeah. Um, but when you were young, was music something that was always around, or was that something that you had to actively seek out? How far in? Uh, how far? Did it absorb into, you know, naturally as opposed to Um, it? It was a big part of my life early on. I played violin um, and uh, was, you know, really serious for a young kid Mm. about about violin and about classical music. And also I had older siblings who were listening to a lot of really good music in the 80s. And then my parents also listened to ABBA. So (laughs) I got... Yeah. Caught quite a bit of music early on. It was it was very important to me starting at a pretty early age. Was there then that connection in terms of performing it? Because it's, it's very different to playing it for yourself or to become a songwriter or what have you. But then what was that draw to performing live? What was that push that you, almost like a shift that made you go, hang on, I need to do this. This is This is exactly where I need to be. I don't... Sometimes I'm not really sure. Playing live performance has always been... I've always kind of struggled with um, figuring out how to to enjoy it and why it is worthwhile for me. And uh, have, like, many times in my life thought that I I would or should stop. Uh, And I think that I got into it because... Honestly, because I didn't know what else to do, because I was writing songs mm. and what you know, and that's what I wanted to do. And what else do you do with writing songs but become a live performer? And then, mm. the longer that I did it, the the more that I wanted to be successful at it in a way where I wouldn't have to work any other kind of jobs to make money. Right. Eventually, I started to get good at it, even if I wasn't maybe enjoying it yet. And I think it fulfilled some sort of like need for attention and approval that's interesting okay yeah and i wonder if that isn't present for a whole lot of musicians but we don't talk about it very much but for me it never really it it really that that void was never really completely Mm -hmm. filled by that and it wasn't really until the last record that i uh last or lower dens record that i realized that there was something possible in performance. There was like a way of reaching people that did really matter to me and started to work to become that kind of performer. 
Um, but again, you know, but now with this record, I find myself struggling to connect to that again. Also because, I mean, there's been time shift and plus the world is really, it just, it, it cut through that clutter. I can imagine it feels really difficult as well because not that like everybody's sitting on their phones, but I mean, there's just so much going on. How do you then click off like from from now until before the performance? Like what is your, I don't, I'm not, maybe I'm saying this and sounds cheesy, but is there sort of a ritual that you do to get into the mindset of, right, I'm actually going out, I'm performing, I need to click into this, not character, but there is no sort of character. A character. It is absolutely there's, a there's character. Na- yeah, there's one. Yeah, it helps for me to think of it right. as a character, yeah. <laughs> yeah. to think of it as kind of like a, re- like a like a flattened version of myself <laughs> that is only like that. The only purpose of that, that individual is to get up on stage and deliver. Yeah. And deliver. Yeah. And like, and that's what I, that's the only thing that I'm good at. And the only thing that I want to do, you know, and sometimes I do remember to kind of like psych myself into that before shows, but it's, uh, it's something that I'm kind of rusty at. So maybe I'll get better at it. Yeah. How many yeah. shows have you played now so far since you started? Um, however many we've done on this tour, so let's see, like, uh, we played DC, Philly, Boston, um, New York, Toronto, uh, maybe that's it? And then we had a couple, we had about three before that. And between the gap of the last album and this album, had you performed at all between between the two albums we hadn't we haven't performed in a really long time wow. yeah what did you do the first night how like didn't you freak out the first night yeah <laughs> yeah definitely freaked out just I'm sorry. tried not to show it you know yeah. but i suppose as you said like flat packing the idea and knowing that you're going into it do you then fixate in in the in the physical performance or more the technical side of things because obviously this whole album sounds... I, I cannot use the word different because it still absolutely sounds like the spirit of Lower Dens, but it, there is definitely... There's just different uh, modes that you've used to get to a different sound. Yeah. But it, it definitely still sounds... Like it's not unfamiliar. Well, yeah. at least it wasn't for me, but maybe that's just because I've been listening for so long. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so do, which which side of it do you, did you focus on to kind of psych yourself into the performance we spent a while before the shows kind of trying to work out as many of the technical bugs as possible Mm. and a lot of our show now is canned you know there's a lot of stuff that that happens beforehand and we we kind of tweaking it on the road a little bit but um and i'll get i'll get thrown out of a show out of the mindset of a show because i'll hear that you know uh, a synth a synth patch has been programmed too loud or something is is out of sync but most of the time when i'm on stage i'm trying to like stay in the physical performance mm. because i think i think of my role on stage my like uh my, my job on stage is to is to deliver like a preacher you know to to really make it absolutely worth people's time to be staring at me for 30 <laughs> minutes you know but especially with this collection of songs as well there's so many things there's a lot of different messages that you have on the on on the album so yeah. do you think about the content and the context as well in, to, in order to deliver that 
Sometimes. But but also, sometimes I feel like it's a lot to assume that that is what people are at the show for, you know? And that maybe yeah. they just want to dance. Maybe they just want to hear the songs performed really well. So... I don't know. I, I, I often feel like I'm trying to do it all. Mm. You know? <laughs> I'm trying to make it perfect in the technical aspect and in delivering it to people and in and, and delivering the message for the people that are there that actually want to hear it. You know? And never quite get anywhere. Not Not get anywhere, but never quite perfect any one of them. So, just constantly disappointing myself. But... <laughs> I mean, almost, I, I want to say I'm quite happy to hear that in a way, because then it would see, can you imagine just getting it right? Then what are you doing this for? I can't imagine, I don't know, it just feels like if there is a challenge and something to do at every point, then it, nothing gets stale. There's always that bar that has to be set, you know, or is that just a strange way of looking at it? No, I don't think that's a strange way of looking at it, and I love the idea of like being challenged and have even frequently loved being challenged mm. but uh but i do think that there's something to be said for getting out of all the bugs mm. and really just being there for other people's experience right every night. right so ironing everything else you don't even have to worry about all that stuff yeah yeah so that you are going above and beyond um perfecting the performance and into the kind of the subtle dynamics that happen between a performer and the audience that are kind of that are hard to even talk about i know that's what the whole show is about it's like it's very that's where you want to get to yeah <laughs> totally you know that's mm -hmm. really what the and sometimes you get there not you but many bands sometimes it gets there but yeah it's definitely also i feel like who you're around you know some people react knowing every single word it's about it's about what's not communicable more than anything pause the podcast pause the podcast are you looking at a calendar full of great events but struggling to find tickets stubhub's gotcha Whatever your favorite band, team, or venue, StubHub is here to save the day with the best tickets for any budget. Whether you're looking for a seat at a Broadway show, tickets to the summer's big arena tour, or a night of cheering on your hometown team, StubHub has the seats you're looking for at the price you want to pay. Head to cosradio.lv StubHub or their user-friendly app to find tickets that are 100% guaranteed by FanProtect. StubHub's never sold out with the most shows, the most tickets, and the most fans. So, head on over to cosradio.lv slash StubHub or the StubHub app. The best tickets to the best experiences in music, sports, and theater. That's cosradio.lv slash StubHub. Hello. Hello. <laughs> okay, so we had a minor technical snafu is that the right word yes but you kindly gave me an extra pack of energizer max yes courtesy to byline bank <laughs> aragon barroom <laughs> please sponsor Snapping. us byline bank <laughs> give us your money um so you were talking about at the most perfect time you were talking about 
how your therapist co- gave you the word for this job as psychological. That what you're providing f- for yes. the audience is, or what you can sometimes provide is psychic respite. And we were yes, we were talking specifically about um about the you know the opportunity to reach young trans people in the audience yeah and um you mean like how to how to make the best of that or well just to remember that that's possible right that that's one possible thing um that makes this job worthwhile you know that that uh despite anything else that might be going on there's the possibility that there might be young trans people in the audience who see me and and feel uh less isolated or that you know that they they have the future that's maybe a little bit brighter than that they that than they thought that it was and yeah and that that gives them a, a bit of psychic psychic respite but i think that is also true for the larger audience you know, I feel like whether or not we all acknowledge it, we're going through our days like feeling very psychically disconnected from one another and ourselves and and anything that kind of gives us um, a reason to live. Mm. And so really putting your whole self into a show is a chance to give, um, give people relief from that. And knowing that going in, I suppose, is so different to having an objective that is so far away from that, you know, like money or charts or things that like don't even, you know, yeah. that, that's obviously money as in a resource. But for you to know that there is somebody there who can see you doing what you're doing and feel that inclusivity or even just having awareness of it even if nothing comes from it i can imagine because you don't you don't hear people talking about it no one really speaks about hang on you're in the audience and you can see an artist who's gone through something maybe that you're thinking of doing or something Mm -hmm. similar and having that connection i think it's it's like powerful beyond Music, it's powerful beyond anything. Yeah. Do you feel that weight of the responsibility because of your own personal choices, or do you feel like that's just something that you don't see a lot of? So you are there to fill that space. I've, I just feel like that's a way, that's a way in which I can be useful, and uh, like something that I have to offer people, and. You know, I just want to be useful. Yeah. In in many ways, I feel like you are. How is it useful to you then? Uh, uh you know, it makes it makes it uh, it makes life worth it. You know, and sometimes it just doesn't feel like it is. Yeah. Right. But do you feel like this album is a good indication as well? For everything that's happening like do you feel like it's a good representation because it is so there are a lot of songs that are really melodically upbeat if that's the right way to describe them but they are Mm -hmm. i mean they are yeah that's like i was listening to i get nervous the other day which is one of my favorite of songs of all time um and that's a song that moves me to tears pretty much straight away i don't know what it is 
and there's so many of the songs on this album that felt so hopeful um, and just vibrant. So do you feel like that's easier for you to go on tour now after not being on tour for so long with this set of songs? No, and but that's because I wrote I wrote a record that is about a lot of my like frustrations with the way that our society works and in particular the way that like that capitalism imprisoned like you know mm-hmm. it just kind of has a leash on all of us and restricts us in uh, in so many ways but this is a very this this industry is like purest capitalism and if, yeah. and it I, I'm wrestling I'm struggling really hard right now with like how to how to deliver this message within this yeah. context how to fit how to make it work while making the meaning work whilst also finding it quite overwhelming yeah but isn't that's also not bad to be in that conversation because I think as you said earlier not, not a lot of people talk about it not to say that yeah. it's all on you to speak about all these things but yeah no but it you know like um, you know as supportive as the people that I work with are I think it's even it's maybe difficult for them to embrace aspects of of the record or uh, the ways that I want to present it because it kind of goes against their their own bottom line you know and I don't know it's just been it's a very it's been a very difficult thing to figure out that like like to stay true to this record and what I believe about it and how to operate within um, the uh, you know the avenues available to me have have a lot of people come up to you and given you kind of stories about how you've helped them and or given you any sort of that feedback because sometimes when you're working as a public figure going through what you have gone through yeah sometimes it can feel like you're just in talking into a void yeah so have you had any sort of interactions that have stood out to you um yeah yeah quite quite a bit uh you know and those things are are uh like kind of always unexpected and very yeah uh very like deeply touching there was a a man and his like 16 year old um child who came to one of the shows in Baltimore and he said you know you're he came up to me and said your music has uh, been like a bond between us and and uh, your music has meant a lot to them and uh, yeah I don't know what to say about that it just made me want to cry yeah that makes me want, <laughs> makes me want to cry now yeah yeah and so I try to think about you know that those, there are people like that in the audience and that does make that does make it yeah. significantly easier to get up on stage yeah I, especially hearing that because whatever your complicated relationships or non-complicated relationships are with your own family members, to have somebody come out and say that and knowing that they really mean it yeah. is also... A t- can you imagine the courage it probably took for him to even say that? I mean... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, and that yeah. makes it worth it, right? And you yeah. deserve to hear that, I, I think. Even though you might feel like you don't. <laughs> I feel like you do deserve to hear that. Yeah, I, I, 
I'm glad. I'm glad. But I... Yeah, just have a lot of complicated feelings about it. But, yeah, that does make it worth it most of the time. Going forward now with the rest of the tour, what do you? What are the things that you really wish can happen? Like, what are the things that you are just really aiming for? Whether it's touching certain fans or you're just getting it right <laughs> no it is to it's to remember that there are people like that in the audience who are who are coming to our shows for to to get fulfillment or in a way that they are having mm. you know trouble finding in other places in their life mm. and uh you know affirmation to to affirm the existence of of the people who who need to be affirmed. I know that you mentioned something online. I know we were talking about how online is so such a different, difficult, complex place. But you mentioned something about how you were kind of concerned about your voice mm-hmm. and that changing. Yeah. But you did it anyway. How did you did you hear back from anybody about how you it sounded different or well, my voice on the record is basically unchanged from what it was previously, so I guess mostly I'm talking about live. You know, I get a little bit of feedback here here and there, but uh, I guess the thing that I think about most is my bandmates are excited about hearing me sing in this voice along with my old voice that we have in some of our tracks. Right. So uh I don't know. That's kind of cool. It's not. It's I don't know what it has to do with anything else, but it is kind of cool. <laughs> but it is amazing, especially because you've got this new perspective on your work, and not only your identity. I suppose that's why it's so different for you. Is yeah. that you, it's not just a person going through their lives. It's part. It's your, your creativity is wrapped. It's intertwined. Yeah. So that's always fascinating to know how you then approach your creativity differently. And how you'll go forward, you know? Do you feel like it will change from, from here on? How you look at the music that you make? Yeah, I do. think it definitely will. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And also for your batteries. <laughs> <laughs> this Must Be The Gig is produced by Adam Kivel. We'd like to thank Dean Berger and Daniel Brater for additional music, as well as the Consequence Podcast Network. Hey! If you've listened this far, why not go the extra mile and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. Your comments provide valuable feedback for us and it helps other people find us too. For information on new episodes, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram at TMBTGPod and generally just irritate everyone you know about the show. Thanks again. During the holiday season, everyone's trying to get you to buy more stuff. Instead, head to StubHub so you can celebrate the season at a game or show. Take the whole family to the ballet, bang on the glass at a hockey game, or sing along with your favorite artist at a concert. Hey, We definitely count that as caroling. 
StubHub has the best selection of seats for all the holiday events you want to experience with your loved ones, and every ticket is 100% guaranteed. Get to StubHub.com or their user-friendly app today. StubHub, S-T-U-B-H-U-B, be there. Consequence Podcast Network.